welcome to Cali Stars Young and Famous with Christina Rue. And I'm Christina Rue. And I'm your podcast host. I think this is the very first podcast for Latinx kids by Latinx kids about Latinx kids. And yes, you guessed it. I'm Latina. My family is in the entertainment business. Movies, TV shows, cable news, magazines. But hey, this is not just about me. This is all for you and the next generation. Meet the young and famous stars who are making their dreams come true. I hope they can inspire you like they inspire me. For the first time, I'll be interviewing a poet. As a fan of poetry, this is super awesome because I want to know how Isabella Ramirez became an award-winning poet and writer while still in high school. Today, we're meeting Latinx poet Isabella Ramirez, who just graduated from a Palm Beach County school. It's one of the largest school districts in the country. We both were student presenters for the district's ninth annual Hispanic Latino Virtual Summer 2021 Institute. It was organized by Patricia Derejo, who introduced me to Isabella. As the perfect intro to inspire you today, here is Isabella's presentation for the virtual event we were part of. It's super passionate. The title is The Struggles of Being Latina in the Education System. Nobody likes the seventh grade. It's all pit stains and puberty and pimply prepubescent boys who think they've got swagger when they harass and hit on you in the halls. It's trying to fit in and realizing you'll never fit in. It's not knowing if you'll be more bullied for your individuality or your attempts at conformity. For me, seventh grade was all leggings and tank tops because I figured if I could never be a basic white girl, I'd at least try to dress like one. It was looking at the popular girls and wondering why they were always blonde hair and blue eyed as if their whiteness was the price of admission. I felt their stares burn through my back in the cafeteria because they resented that black and brown girls could be this smart and this pretty. And it wasn't just the popular girls. It was my third period teacher reading out my name from my report card and adding five extra last names. Isabella Sofia Ramirez became Isabella Sofia Garcia Gomez Martinez Lopez Hernandez Ramirez. She reduced my identity to a joke and the whole class laughed. Just like they laugh at my parents' accents and the janitor's English and my language in Spanish class. They watched me drag my straight A's and my dignity back to my desk and bury it deep into my backpack. When you go to a predominantly white school as a Latina, you realize the education system was never built for you. I was never smart, just smart for a Hispanic girl because even when my freshman teacher called me one of his most brilliant biology students, my guidance counselor only saw gold hoops and stereotypes. Told me that chemistry class and cholas don't mix but tells Kyle he can go to Harvard because a white boy only needs a 2.5 GPA and daddy's money to get in. She tells me my dreams of being the first in my family to attend an Ivy League are too far out of reach, but it's okay. It's not like I didn't already know how much Americans hate dreamers. 
And when I actually make it in school, the white kids in my AP classes look at me like I'm a foreigner. They hide behind microaggressions as if I don't notice they only listen to me after they've seen my test grades as documentation. They slightly hint that I don't belong here in the same way they think my people don't belong across their borders. They colonize my education like they did my ancestors because my presence in their classrooms means I've overstayed my visa. They think Latinas can only be housemaids and trophy wives, but take Spanish just to be as smart as me. I'm already on my third language, but sure, I'll try to keep up. And when I get into the third best university in the nation and my dreams become a reality, the bitter white kids call it affirmative action, but I prefer to call it karma. It's about time we Latinas got our reparations. And if I could go back and talk to my seventh grade self, I'd tell her, you learn to deal with the white girls and teachers and counselors and AP kids, but be proud you are Latina because it means your strength and your smarts are unteachable. Okay, let's get Isabella on the phone. Hi, Isabella. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? Good. I'm so happy to meet you. Yeah, I'm so excited to meet you and speak with you today. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm recording. Is that okay? Yes, that's fine. Um, I've never interviewed a poet. I love Emily oh. Dickinson, but she was so private and alone in her life. You're not. Are you? No, definitely not. You're I not? I would say that, you know, my poetry style is very different from poets, like you mentioned, Emily Dickinson, Sylvia Plath. Um, my poetry has always been about being able to speak it and to share it with others. Um, and I definitely come from a background of slam poetry, which is specifically a type of poetry in which it's a performance um, poetry in which you use what you've written and you share that with a crowd or an audience. And it's kind of like a, it's a conversation with your audience almost. Yeah, I watched your graduation speech. Really? Yeah, I was like, wow. How'd you get so passionate? Yeah, you know, I, I have been in the arts basically my entire life. So I, as a little kid, like I remember I would write, you know, short stories. And I used to even have this like book that I would write. It was some sort of like adventure book. And I would always share it with my friends. And like we would all like laugh and like have fun. And, you know, it was something that I just was drawn to. And I really liked um, writing and then slowly you know as I went to middle and high school I went to an art school and that exposed me to a lot of other art forms including poetry and I started to delve in a little bit into creative writing and I took a few classes in creative writing and then it wasn't really until high school and my specifically my junior year that I decided to join my slam poetry team and that's really where my passion grew and I really um got to see the intersection between writing, but also speaking and like getting those skills in public speaking and just sharing my work f with other people. Um, do you remember like um, the first poem you ever heard? First poem I've ever heard? Oh God, um, I'm sure in, you know, if I think back elementary school, I'm sure that I have, had seen things at that point by um I, I 
kind of like a poet that you mentioned before, Emily Dickinson was, I feel like, one of the first poets that I truly remember reading and enjoying. Um, I don't remember exactly maybe which poem of hers that I've heard before. But I also think in middle school, you know, we had to read The Raven. I also was exposed to Shakespeare and um, poets like Walt Whitman, Sylvia Plath. So I would say those poets were probably some of the first people that I ever got to read. And then it wasn't until maybe in high school that I really started watching YouTube videos of other slam poets and seeing, you know, writing or specifically poetry in a spoken format. Um, you mentioned that um, you remember Emily Dickinson. Well, I have one of her poems um, memorized. Oh, really? Yeah, um, it's Nobody. Oh, mm, yeah. Um, can I say it? Sure. Um, I'm Nobody, who are you? Are you Nobody too? That makes us a pair, don't tell. They'll vanish us, you know. How dare you to be somebody? I'll public like a frog. To tell your name in live long date to a marring bog. Oh, wow. That was beautiful. <laughs> I hope I got all the words right. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't have it memorized, but um, I love that poem. Do you have any memorized? I don't have any of her poems memorized, but I actually um, have to memorize my poems for competition. So uh, it has been a quite some time, though, honestly, since, you know, I've had to memorize one of my pieces. But in the back of my mind somewhere, I know there are bits and pieces of my poetry memorized. Um, can you say one of your poems? Well, my poems are quite long, but I could definitely... Can you say, um, like, um, one part of it? Sure. I'll, I'll read a part of one of my favorite poems that I've written. It's actually about my mother. So I'll read Aww. kind of the beginning. Mm, I'll actually pick a little part. Yeah, I'll pick this part. Okay. My mama's English is a stubborn wine stain on a white dress. She scrubs at her twisted tongue, desperate to clean the spice, el cilantro, la salsa, that is her accent, her accent, is the tambourine she hides in the back of her mouth. Behind the ivory piano keys that are her teeth, she speaks a merengue, bachata, ranchera, tonada, that she mutes to make room for her English. Yeah, so that was one of my poems um, titled Mama, and that was a, like the third stanza, I believe, of that poem. <laughs> oh my god, I think I just shed a tear. That was so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Aw. Well, um, I heard you have a chat book being published, like chat, like chat deck. Um, I looked it up. And I still don't know what a chapbook is. Can you explain it? Yeah, sure. Uh, a chapbook is kind of, I mean, it's kind of what the title says. Like, it's a little book, essentially. It's almost more, I would say, like a booklet. Um, and I believe the way that it's titled is just because of the way that it's bound and the way that it's, um, how many pages it has. So I think my chapbook is going to have almost 30 pages and you know how like most books have a spine like a skinny spine chat books don't have that because i believe that the way that they bind the pages together they don't need to use the typical spine bounding they use some sort of like almost like staples um to bind the book together so i would say it's just like a little um 
it's more similar in look to a, like a magazine, the way that a magazine is um, bound. It doesn't typically have a spine. It, it kind of just wraps around. So I would say that in defining a chapbook, it's just like a little version of almost like a little magazine. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Are you afraid to speak up? Like with your poems, you speak up with passion. Are you afraid to do that? I would definitely say that poetry has helped me become less afraid. Um, I used to actually say, you know, I still sort of have a fear of public speaking, and I, I used to have more of a fear before starting poetry. But poetry has really helped me break out of that shell, and especially um, I've participated in competitions. I've performed in front of, you know, quite like pretty big audiences at this point. And that has pushed me to become less afraid and be really just proud of what I have to say. And most of the time, you know, I'm always like received so well by the community and people want to hear what I have to say. So that has helped me kind of break out of that fear and be, you know, no longer afraid to not only speak up, but speak my truth and what I believe the world needs to hear or what I want to share about myself or about my experiences. What's your truth? Um, I would say that my truth really just boils down to, like, you know, how I see the world and how I feel that I've been impacted by, you know, my identities. I know that, of course, um, your podcast deals a lot with Latinx identities, and that's also something that's very, very important to me. I talk a lot about my experience as a Latina, like, in the United States, and I talk a lot about my family, talk a lot about language and Spanish and English. So I would say my truth can be defined by so many things, but really the core of it is me being able to be, you know, talk through my identities and share with other people, you know, the beautiful intersection that is, you know, being not only Latina, but also just being a woman, being all the things that I'm very, very proud to be and being just as proud of it as I can be. It's working. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, oh, when did you become who you are today? I would almost say that I'm still becoming like who I am like I think that we almost as people never stop growing but I would I would definitely say that high school really defined so many things for me about who I am and you know my especially in my art uh, as I said I went to an art school I went to Dreyfus School of the Arts and I really learned about my passions there I learned about what I wanted to really spend my time doing and what I love to do because, you know, with poetry, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like uh, something that I don't like to do. It's something I love to do. And it's something that I just do naturally because of how much I love to do it. So I would say high school had such a big impact in shaping me into the artist I am today and just allowing me to be express myself in the way that I would like to. Your passion makes me really nervous. Um, Why is it's that? Amazing how st it's amazing how strong you are. And Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it takes time, for sure. If You said that um, if you're still um, a little worried of speaking up in public, then how do you push yourself to speak up in public? 
Honestly, I think in the moment, there are so many things going through my mind. There's the adrenaline of just being up on a stage or being in front of other people. Um, There's obviously the nerves and being scared. But also, I think there's so much excitement. I'm always so excited to be in a space where I can share my work or share my poetry because because it is so something something I'm so passionate about. I always you know, I always write with the intention of sharing. So it kind of starts as, you know, even before the poem has been written, I'm already preparing to share it in a way, in the sense that I write a lot of my poetry with the intention of hopefully sharing it with others. So I think that I just am constantly preparing myself through the entire process, you know, writing, then editing. And then finally, when I'm up on a stage, uh, I think that, like I said, that excitement kind of overtakes me and just will will surpass any other emotions that I'm feeling because I just feel so grateful to be here and so grateful that I have people that want to listen to me. How do I do it? What advice do you have for kids like me? Oh, for kids like, hmm, I think that it's all about um, really... I feel in the art world, it's so much about just putting yourself out there. And I feel like that's so cliche and everyone says that. And it sounds, it's so much easier. Uh, It sounds so much easier than it actually is. But I think that you have to be willing to like take risks. You have to be somewhat brave. And like, you have to also know that, you know, in my case, I've always surrounded myself with people who I knew were going to support me. So, of course, like, that has been my family and my friends. And, you know, sometimes you just need to start small. So let's say you do want to be in a space where you want to share your work, but you're a little afraid. So you might start with that. You might start sharing with your mom, and then you start sharing with your friends, and then you start kind of growing and growing your audience until you're sharing in front of, you know, people you've never met. And sometimes, like, starting small even can make you nervous. I remember I was nervous to share with my friends, Um, share with even my classroom but I took those little steps I started sharing with my family I started sharing with my friends then I started sharing um, when I had teachers who were willing to have me share they would give me that opportunity and I would be nervous but once I overcame that I felt okay from here I can do even bigger things and then I would perform at an open mic and then there would be maybe like 20 people in that audience and I'd be like oh you know now that I've done that I can do even more And from there, it's all about taking those little steps, taking those small risks, and then building yourself up to that. So it doesn't feel like you're, you know, throwing yourself into a huge crowd of a bunch of people. You know, you want to start small. And I think um, when you start small and you grow bigger, it becomes so much more rewarding. That's great advice. Okay, I have two more questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you angry or happy? Because... Um, passion comes from so many different things, but um, it can also come from anger. So are you angry or happy? I wouldn't say that I'm angry. I think that a lot of my poems can, you know, I talk about a lot of difficult topics or things that might seem that, you know, I think the thing about my poetry is I like to explore lots of different types of emotions i like to explore um kind of take people on that journey with me and there are times honestly like in my poems that i do get angry um there are times where i it's sometimes somber or even sad but i think ultimately it does come from a place of happiness because in the sense that like 
I feel well enough to share this about me or to share how I'm feeling. And I think that strength or that ability to share with others, you know, it doesn't come from someone who's, you know, angry all the time or doesn't, you know, I'm open. I I really want to speak with other people and I'm always um, trying to, you know, ultimately uplift the spaces that I'm in. So even in the times where my passion in my poetry becomes anger, where I'm, you know, talking about injustice or discrimination or any of those types of things, I think I always try to come out the other side with either a solution or, you know, a way for me to be proud still or a way for us to, you know, continue fighting. I I would say that the times that my passion is anger it is always to fuel um a positive change you know I think that's the biggest thing that I always try to inspire my poetry is even if I'm battling difficulties I want to inspire positive change things a way that we can move in a good direction and a way that we can improve the lives of like my lives like myself but also the lives of like the people in my communities or of just everybody in general like your graduation speech. Yes, definitely. I think that's a great example because I took something um, that was negative in the sense that I talked a lot about COVID-19 and how that affected us as seniors, but I also wanted to showcase how many great things we were still able to do even during this year and how we as a community all banded together to make our high school experience as good as it possibly could be um so i I think that in the same vein i try to do that with all my poems and try to find a way to be positive or find a solution yeah emotions make you human right um where can my where can our listeners um find you like instagram yeah um my instagram is at isabella s dot Ramirez and then I'm also on YouTube under Isabella Sophia Ramirez I haven't posted that much on YouTube yet but I am planning to start posting some of my performance videos Um, I think you mentioned that you saw my graduation um, YouTube video so that is on there and those are the two main places that I use so I would say that and also there are some I have a link tree so if you do you know link tree slash Isabella Ramirez you should also be able to find me Thank you so much. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, It was a pleasure, you know, being able to talk to you. No, it was a pleasure talking to you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Okay, Isabella can rule the world with her words. And she'll make everything better. She has a chapbook coming out this summer. Go to her Instagram or mine, at Christina Rue, for more information. Now go to Patreon if you would like to be part of Catalina TV, Catalina Star Magazine, and this podcast. Thank you to all my patrons, Jim, Tammy, Steve, Caridad, John M., John D., Alex, Thomas Salesman, Vincenza, Isa, Luidine, Superstar King Mike. Visit me on Instagram at Christina Rue for links to behind the scenes pictures and links to the Latinx Catalina Stars site.
my Patreon account, and more. Thank you. Bye.